1: Good afternoon and welcome. It's Tuesday, time for our crack strategy panel. And the prime minister keeps touting very large numbers of vaccines that are coming. Some of them supposed to land this week. This as we are starting to see some very unequal access as the provinces begin the process of vaccinating people 80 and over. And the conservatives are set to pounce on a seeming dust up between two federal agencies or bodies, when it comes to the AstraZeneca vaccine. Now, it was approved on Friday by Health Canada for all adults over 18. But yesterday, in a bombshell recommendation, the National Vaccine Advisory Panel said it should not be used in people over 65 because there's not enough evidence. Now, Health Canada shot Back and said they have rigorously evaluated the data from the clinical trials, which everybody says we're kind of a mess and there weren't many people over 65 in the trials, but uh, there are now encouraging reports from real world use in older populations. And what those reports show is that that particular vaccine is 80% effective in reducing hospitalization and death. And that's compared to people who didn't have the vaccine. So where are we at? There's this dust up. NASI, the National Vaccine Advisory Panel. Well, it's just a recommendation. Um, it, I don't know. To me, this just shows the helter skelter, confused aspect of the rollout. But more important, what does our panel? think. I am joined by Karen Stintz, CEO of Variety Village, Charles Sousa, former Minister of Finance for Ontario, and John Capobianco, Vice President and Senior Partner, Fleischman Hillard High Road. Hi, everyone. Hello Libby. Libby. Hey, Libby. Okay, let us begin with Karen. So this is, this is just the latest on the vaccine rollout.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's you know, the government really has a way of making things extremely complicated um, by themselves, <laughs> yeah. but by, the very own, like, by themselves. <laughs> so there's no question that we, we know what we negotiated delivery targets based on quarter instead of specific weeks. Okay. That was done. Now the vaccines coming in um, to, to be honest with you, more announcements about the 20 more million doses we've ordered is really immaterial because they're not here. And, the fact that every Canadian eventually can get three shots is, doesn't matter because there is, the, the rollout is, is still confused. And, you know, I think you brought up earlier, Libby, the Israeli government has had such success inoculating their citizenry. I don't understand why we just can't follow the models at work. And well, what they did is they made it simple. Everyone over, everyone over 90, everyone over 80, everyone over 70, everyone over 60, and they got it done. And But now we're tripping ourselves up over, you know, subgroups and subclusters and sub-communities, and then, oh, but they can only have this vaccine or that vaccine. They shouldn't have, you know, it's enough to make your head spin. Well, and it's, from someone, I, again, who just wants to be, you know, get some notice, like, when can we reopen? <laughs>
1: it's so discouraging beyond words. I mean, I just to jump in on that. So first of all, uh, my nephew who is studying in Israel, who is not a citizen, who is 27 years old. He was vaccinated nearly a month ago. Right. Uh, so, uh, and, uh, it, again, that's dealing with the Ontario government that, that seems to bow to every pressure group when the right. evidence is older people die in the biggest proportions, let's get them vaccinated. And, and they are again, going to the back of the line and, uh, on top of this dust-up at the federal level, you have people here in Toronto at the back of the line behind homeless people and other groups, and police, young, healthy police, getting vaccinated before 90-year-olds, and, uh, you know, people looking over at Peel and York Region, where people are starting to get the shots. John Capobianco.
3: Well, it's it's frustrating. Karen's right that it's confusing, without a, without a doubt. And and you know we're starting to hear now anecdotally, and you mentioned your nephew Libby, but also I think on a, on one of your previous shows that we were on, one of your callers who sunbirds who's a sunbird, uh, no snow, sorry snowbird in um, in Mexico said that she had gotten a vaccine in Mexico, um, <clears throat> if you recall that. And so so we're starting to hear that, and that's what's making things more frustrated. And I think for the government's perspective. Um, you know, I, I, and I hear that they want to and I know and understand and I hear they want to get out there and they want to be able to say, look, we're getting more vaccines. We've got more commitments. There's more doses coming in, uh, you know, given that Canadians are are literally waiting and hearing and wanting to know about this information. I think it's important that they get out there. But it becomes a, a really strained uh, messaging uh, perspective when you hear that. And then you hear from the presidents or the, their various leaders of these pharmaceuticals companies who are saying, well, I can't, we can't guarantee that there won't be a stoppage at some point. And I guess that they have to say that because there's never a guarantee that they're going to be able to ship these out. But when you're hearing that, and then you're, and you're also seeing this debate that you just mentioned about the, uh, the health Canada and the, uh, and the organization NACI, um, you know, the vaccine organization that, that there is a conflicting messaging that, that one is saying, NACI is saying that well, we shouldn't be given that that Astrazeneca vaccine to anybody sixty-five years and over. And Health Canada is saying vehemently opposing that, saying, "Well, no, no, no. Of course, at the end of the day, you know, anybody, people should be getting whatever vaccine is available." But it's giving sort of more voice to the naysayers about this whole process. And it's not helping when the government does say something because people then turn to it and say, well, who do I believe? You know, you're hearing things in the U.S. with Dr. Fauci saying one thing about, you know, doses. Doses shouldn't be spread too far apart from each other, you know, specifically the vaccines that are um, uh, Pfizer and Moderna, which, which are involving two doses. And some places are saying, well, we're going to try to extend the period by four months instead of whatever weeks it is that you need to, because they want to make sure more and more people get at least one dose of it. And then you're hearing, well, no, nobody should be doing it. So it's conflicting and and it's causing a lot of anxiety. and, And that's the challenge. You know, we all want governments to we want to will them. To make sure this all works, and that people get get the vaccinated, get vaccinated as soon as possible. But these conflicting messages is, does it not help governments or does it not help Canadians.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, you know, part of it is that it's uh, new, it's science, and it evolves. But I, I think that you know the conflicting information that we're seeing here and the conflicting rollout—it just seems very unfair, frankly, Charles.
4: Yeah, it's frustrating. I mean, anecdotal. Here, personally, my my uncle, uh, he's 85 years old, and his wife, my aunt, is also in her 80s. They're elderly. They're good though. They're in good form. They're living alone, and they're calling me saying, "We don't want to go into a vaccination unit and, and wait in a lineup. We don't want to get exposed to, to 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 COVID by going for a vaccine." And so the rollout while there seems to be more confidence in its ability now, given that there's availability of vaccines coming on stream, this mixed uh, messaging, uh, this notion of the three phases that are being before us, it is convoluted. And, you know, does the grocer get a vaccine now? I mean, they're on the front lines, too, to some extent, They're being exposed. Um, it, it is confusing. It would be a lot simpler. I, I know the Ontario Chamber of Commerce came out today with a report saying the United States have vaccinated in one day more than all of Canada combined. And so we just need to get those needles in those arms and, uh, and just simplify the process. Don't provide confusion to those that are in need of support. And um, uh, just start establishing those dates and just get it done. And I, 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 frankly, September worries me. We people need these now, right? This notion of us having to wait too long. Um, but I get it. There are, there are more vulnerable individuals that deserve to have it done but they're afraid to have it done or they don't even know when to have it done or where to have it done. So that's the part that's confusing to many.
1: Well, it's it's not rolled out properly. Yeah. Uh, so so what's the bottom line on this? Uh, what's the political fallout from this, Karen?
2: I think there there stands to be great political fallout because, unfortunately, the more complicated that you make something, the harder it is to administer. And when you've got so many vulnerable groups that are moving to the top of the line, And to your point, Libby, we know, we already know that the over-80s and over-70s are the most vulnerable group, bar none, bar none. So we all can agree on that. So just focus your energies on the most high-risk group that is at that most vulnerable of being hospitalized and dying. That is where we need to focus all our collective energies, and everybody can get on board with that. But then to your point, well, when you sneak in the cops, and then you sneak in this group and that group, and then, you know, and also the homeless shelters, like just thinking about how to administer that when there's people that are coming and going, like they should be getting, you know, the Johnson and Johnson shot because it's one shot. It'll be more effective. But again, there's just, there's no, there, it just doesn't feel like there's a strategy and it hasn't felt like there's been a strategy for a long time. And that is the most undermining aspect of public trust. And that is the part where the political fallout will be the greatest.
1: Well, it, it's interesting that you say this. Uh, I had a talk with uh, the chair of the board of, of health in Toronto and asked, you know, why are you prioritizing homeless over people over 80? And, and he's saying that, you know, the province made him do it. And oddly, I don't think that's the case. I think they fought very hard to uh, to get those homeless shelters done ahead of other people. Um, and again, I don't want to take more time than I have, but, but I'm in, in,
2: ta- in talks with uh, the community center for North Toronto, which is one of the vaccination sites. And I asked, how do you book an appointment? We don't know. Is it online or is it a phone? We don't know. How many people can you take in a day? We don't know. How many, like, are you going to use the whole community center or just part of just the two rooms? We don't know.
1: Well, exactly. And and uh, at uh, yesterday's round of briefings, they mentioned pharmacies. Well, you know, we're in contact with doctors and pharmacies. They know nothing. Yeah. And uh, they
2: only have nurses right now doing the, the jabs. There's not enough nurses. There's just not enough nurses to do the jabs that need to get done.
1: Well, you know what? You don't need a nurse to get a jab. No. Uh, there are all kinds of people who who not only can administer the shots, but who really want to. But they haven't been contacted, so I mean, where is the fallout the worst? Charles, politically, is it uh, is it uh, federally, is it provincially, is it at the city level?
4: Well, federally, they've now I know uh, have confirmed and secured uh, and approved various dosage, including Astrazeneca, most recently, and so they have supply. It'll be on its way if not, and there's been over, what, 570,000 vaccines already administered in Canada or even in Ontario. There's the rollout of the next 8 million doses that are going to be required in April, if we're looking at those over 80 and, and, uh, and some of the primary care uh, givers. Um, that has to expedite pretty quickly, and that's going to be a provincial matter. The distribution and, and the inoculations will be a provincial issue, and the uh, onus will now be more focused on them in terms of their ability to administer program and they do talk about pharmacies in phase three I believe it is and there's also mobile injections for those most vulnerable Um, I I just I, I would assume that by this point in time they would have already had had conversations with all those touch points to get those once the vaccines come in let's expedite them as quickly as possible regardless of some of the phases that are necessary to the extent that we get those seniors done and I don't know what's taking I don't know why we're waiting so long to have them administered. But uh, I think the fallout will be more provincial than it is federal at this point. There seems to be some confidence now that the actual uh, acquirement of the vaccines are on its way. Now people are worried about how to get them in their arms.
1: John, do you agree, uh, federally? I mean, I keep checking our world in data every day, and we are still number 43 in the world. And according to, there's another Lowy e index uh, th- that's also considered very reliable, and we're in the 60s there. Yeah, I think by
3: way of political follow I think it always, especially when it comes to crises of this magnitude, which are global and, and of course, in, in, in national in scope, that it's sort of it's it's the top down right it's the prime ministers, the premiers, and then the local politicians and i think I think what we've seen and 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 you know to charles's point regarding you know what what has happened with respect to the vaccines well, we know that we just the we just didn't have enough vaccines we just didn't have enough vaccines up until now and Now the Prime Minister is saying that we're getting vaccines and there's indications that we're getting some. And and AstraZeneca now has been approved and Johnson & Johnson is not too far behind with respect to its approval and and, and, and dissemination. So, you know, at the end of the day, there would never have been that much issues with respect to jabs in arms if there was no shortage of vaccines, if there was abundance of vaccines. Vaccines that every province was able to have, and if there wasn't the sophistication of storage and double doses and all that kind of stuff, it was like we've done this before. We've we've got an annual flu vaccine that we give you know Canadians uh, on an annual basis. It's not you know it's not hard to be able to have you know people and, and organizations sort of give out vaccines when when needed. <clears throat> The problem we had, of course, was that there was this varied stages of of you know what vaccines were going to come, and then who, which provinces got how many doses, and then of course the double doses and the and the, the sub zero uh, degrees storage that caused all of these problems. And I think, and I'm hoping that was AstraZeneca coming, and was with, with Johnson and Johnson coming, and, and all of these commitments that we're going to be getting more vaccines that the provinces are going to start to just put jabs in arms and 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 do as much as they can to get as many people as they possibly can vaccinated so that said, I think that the prime minister does wear a lot of it with respect to the to the to the actual um stolen or to the actual commitment of the vaccines but at some point to charles's point you know once it gets to the provinces they then have to have a plan to be able to make sure that people are getting this and and, and, our, and our people are being vaccinated and even at the, at the local city level same at that point as well so they want to make sure that everybody is coordinated and, and sort of speaking with at least one voice when it
4: comes to this
1: okay uh we've got to wrap things up charles i will give you the last 20 seconds
4: yeah, I, uh, I think there's a degree of comfort knowing that vaccines are on its way or have been administered or are available now. Um, I am confident, though, that the moment these vaccines start to be rolled out, the province will get their act together in respect to distribution and initiatives. We have to get the pharmacies and docs involved beyond just the units, <clears throat> the uh, health units. And uh, in a month's time, I'm hoping people will be more comfortable and safer. I'm, a, I'm an optimistic. And... Uh, I'm hoping that'll be the case.
1: Charles, I hope you're right. Got to admit, I have got my doubts. And uh, we've got to wrap things up now. Thank you so much, Karen Stintz, John Capobianco, and Charles Sousa. Appreciate it. Thanks, Libby.
5: Good afternoon. Thanks, Libby.
1: Okay. So... Seniors in Toronto have been casting envious glances at their counterparts in Peel and York regions who have started to receive their shots. It's mostly happening through local hospitals, which have their own booking systems. And those booking systems have, of course, been under pressure, but still they've confirmed thousands of appointments and they've administered a reasonable number. And this, of course, is happening amid the news about the AstraZeneca vaccine. So let's check in with Dr. Lawrence Lowe, Medical Officer of Health for the region of Peel. Hi, Dr. Lowe. Thank you so much for being with us.
6: Thanks for having me, Libby.
1: So uh, tell us uh, where you're at in Peel region in terms of uh, how many appointments you have set. uh, Do you know how many vaccines you've already administered since yesterday for people over 80?
6: Uh, So uh, we only just started uh, with a very limited rollout of uh, uh, 80 plus over uh, the weekend and into into today. Uh, our big launch was uh, yesterday uh, with our hospital partners uh, moving to launch their uh, registration site at Trillium Health Partners in Mississauga and an online uh, real-time booking system for William Osler and Brampton. Uh, the hospitals are currently delivering vaccine because out of the allocations we've received, uh, there is uh, some additional allocation that supports uh, a limited rollout to 80-plus, uh, and so that's why we've made some appointments available. Um, I do know, and I just heard from our uh, Willie Oster partners, that they've managed to now book almost 6,000 appointments, uh, just uh, with the system having been up uh, uh, under 24 hours. And so I think, uh, you know, as those go through and through the week, uh, we're uh, really grateful to be able to offer that level of protection to our residents, 80 over.
1: Now, I believe uh, that in Peel Region, what do you have, something like 65,000 people over 80, am I right?
6: Uh, So the number is uh, 50,000 roughly, and that's uh, not clear community versus long-term care. We do know we also have 10,000 long-term care residents. Uh, So if if you combine them together, that might get the number that you're looking at right there.
1: Okay, so uh, and presumably the ones in long-term care have already been done?
6: That's correct. They've uh, we've already uh, um, together with the other uh, harder hit regions of Ontario uh, managed to offer uh, two doses to all of our uh, long term care home residents, and our uptake has been quite significant. Uh, I think we were looking at over ninety percent uptake uh, in that population, providing a, a significant uh, protective benefit to that to that community.
1: Now, in in terms of people in the community, uh, you know, especially here in Toronto, people are having big concerns with access. And uh, we know that people in that age group, they, they want those shots. Are you comfortable that what you have up and running is, is going to make sure that there's a, an equitable distribution of the vaccines?
6: Yeah, it's a small step forward. And I think I have to really, really underline uh, that at this point in time, a lot of our appointments are still limited by a critical shortage in supply uh, you know, we have been uh, advised uh, that more vaccine is coming in the next few weeks, though. Uh, and to the extent that uh, in addition to the wet o- online options, there are uh, phone options for people as well. Uh, I encourage the community uh, to reach out uh, to the over that they know, uh, the people that might need support, and make sure that they're able to uh, get the appointments. And I'll also highlight that, uh, you know, even though supply is limited, more is on the way. So please, if you don't get an appointment, at least in the outset, you know, keep checking back, Uh, you know, more will be released as our supply hopefully improves.
1: And do you have a sense of of how many vaccines you'll be able to administer? Yeah,
6: so we've been, we understand uh, that we have uh, tens of thousands of vaccines coming in the next few weeks, and that's going to increase even more significantly in April uh so I, I think to the extent that we're trying to take this measure now knowing that we had some limited supply uh, that could be made available uh to our 80 pluses uh and we know that uh you know the provincial uh booking system will also be coming online hopefully which will then uh, open up more choice uh, as public health clinics start to get supply in uh, disseminated areas in our community and mobile clinics uh, also start to get launched uh, i'm hopeful that this is you know really just a small step forward but it will continue to uh pick up pace as uh, we move into the spring.
1: Okay, Dr. Lowe, you know, this is happening just as we have uh, some uh, conflicting uh, news about the AstraZeneca vaccine, uh, which Canada has ordered a lot of. So we have Health Canada saying it is safe for people over the age of 50 and there's real-world data coming in that it's effective. And just yesterday, uh, the National Advisory Vaccine Council recommended that it not be used in people over 65. So what's your view on that? Uh, Are you going to use it in that population in Peel region or
6: not? Uh, So we will abide by the uh, guidance that comes down uh, from the provincial government, which will ultimately be based on the federal guidance. Uh, But I think I would highlight to everyone at this point in time uh, you know the data are the data. Um, in general, uh, for most people uh, within the indications that a vaccine is uh, provided for, uh, getting a vaccine is better than no vaccine. And uh, you know if there's an age cutoff that's been identified there in the federal data, we'll comply with it. We'll certainly continue to monitor the evidence. We know that it's always evolving, and different countries have uh, have uh, had different views on the uses of the vaccines throughout this. Um, And we will certainly obviously change our uh, guidance in the face of new data and evidence. But I think the big thing I would say is even if we do end up using AstraZeneca for a different age bracket, it does mean that for the Pfizer, Moderna, which we do continue to get in the region of Peel, Uh, those are then more also available for our, you know, much older population as well.
1: So I'm just trying to get a sense of of what's going to happen. So this is the national advisory body and you are going to wait for the provincial version of that to say yay or nay on AstraZeneca over 65. Am I right? That's
6: that's correct. So the way this works is Health Canada determines if the vaccine is safe and effective the National Advisory Committee on Immunization uh, proposes uh, guidelines for the most optimal use of the vaccine based on the data they see. And then the provincial government ultimately, uh, because health, as you know, is a provincial responsibility under the Constitution, uh, they ultimately put together the uh, protocols and guidelines for use by ourselves at the local level.
1: Yeah, well, um, as I mentioned, uh, th- this, this guideline was released uh, not because there's evidence that it doesn't work, but because the panel says there's not enough evidence. Uh, and that's uh, quite true, I guess, from the clinical, clinical trial. But there is real-world data now, and we know that just as the panel was releasing this recommendation, France, which had said they're not using it on people over 65, said, okay, we now have data, and uh, we're changing our mind on that because AstraZeneca has been used quite extensively in that age group in the UK, which has got a lot of people vaccinated. So What do you make of that? And is is that just going to make people hesitant about that particular vaccine? You know, should the panel say, oops, new data, changing our minds?
5: So,
6: Libby, that was what I was saying in my previous answer. Uh, you know, uh, the data and the science is consti- constantly evolving. These, this is a new disease. These are new vaccines. Uh, the biggest thing I would say is that uh, for whichever group is identified by the National Advisory Community Organizations uh, at the time of the evidence that they've looked at, uh, that is a vaccine that I would recommend uh, that people get. And certainly, if the evidence evolves, I know that the UK, it'll be interesting to see what the Fran- uh, France say. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'll leave it to my federal counterparts to make the determination if they, then take the time and the due diligence to look through the numbers and consider the Canadian context and say, you know, it'd be great for 65 overs. Then I would have absolute confidence in that decision if and when it does come.
1: Okay, and 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 finally, uh, let's say this decision stands. Have you had a look at how it would affect the, uh, you know, the the idea of rolling it out uh, in descending order of age if if that vaccine is not going to be offered to people who are over 65.
6: Oh, absolutely. And I think that those are discussions that are well underway. We do know we have essential worker populations. We do know we have people 50 to 64 uh, who also do still see severe outcomes of disease. I imagine prioritization, which is actually handled at the provincial level. I will take all that into account, and we in local public health units will uh, abide by uh, the decisions of the ministry.
1: Okay. Well, uh, thanks very much, and and congratulations on getting it going in the community. Good for you.
6: Thanks so much, Libby.
1: Okay. Bye-bye. Bye bye. All right. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to uh, drill down a little more on this whole question of the AstraZeneca vaccine and uh, the recommendations regarding it. And uh, apparently we are going to receive nearly a million doses of it this week so we will be having that when we return let me give the numbers out again should you have questions 416-360-0740 toll free 1-866-740-4740
0: you're listening to an exclusive podcast of fight back on zoomer radio heard weekdays from noon to one fight back with libby zneimer on zoomer radio
1: Welcome back. As we've been discussing Canada's National Advisory Committee on Immunization, NACI does not recommend the AstraZeneca vaccine for adults over the age of 65. Health Canada says there's just not enough evidence from clinical trials to show whether it works in this population. But that recommendation came yesterday, as I said, as France reversed that guidance and will now administer this vaccine for seniors, based on real-world experience, and researchers published preliminary findings of that real-world experience, and they found that one dose of either the Pfizer or the AstraZeneca vaccine reduced hospitalization risk for adults over 70 by 80 percent. So what does that all mean? Uh, again, the numbers, 416 360 toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And now let us bring in Dr. Alone Vaisman, epidemiologist and infectious disease specialist at the University Health Network. Hi, Dr. Vaisman. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. So uh, this is a fairly confusing situation for most of us. We have a bit of a dust-up between Health Canada, which says AstraZeneca is fine for people over 65, and uh, Nassy, which says it isn't. Uh, what do you make of that?
7: Right. So just to clarify, whenever we're talking about vaccines, there's two distinct ideas. One is how effective the vaccine is. The other one is if it's safe. So, The bottom line is that there's no reason to believe that it's not safe in elderly people. It certainly is. As for the efficacy, where this all stems from is the original trial data in December looking at AstraZeneca. Not many people who are over the age of 65 are included in that trial, so many bodies, including France, as you mentioned, and Italy, Spain, the EU, had not initially recommended the vaccine for that age group. But since that vaccine has been rolled out, many elderly people have, in fact, been vaccinated against it, uh, vaccinated against COVID using that vaccine. And the data is now showing that there is actual good efficacy in that age group. So hence, when the Health Canada approval came out, it was a, a, a statement saying that it is safe to give in that group. But NASIS statement is based more on the concrete data that's available to show that it's uh, effective.
1: Yeah, I get that. But it it sounds like, a, <clears throat> sorry, a, a very confusing situation uh, for people who are contemplating getting the vaccine. I mean, we have uh, uh, just read 945,000 doses of this coming uh, this week, apparently. And uh, the rollout uh, in the community is supposed to go in descending order of age. So, uh, you know, saying that it's not, going to be useful for people over 65 if that is not really the case? Seems pro- it seems problematic. Uh, uh, what do you think?
7: Right. So, so NACI, um, their threshold or their assessment of the data may, may be more of um, like a conservative approach than what Health Canada's assessment was. NACI provides recommendations to the rest of Canada about how the vaccine should be rolled out. Every province and other health units will decide on how they want to best do it. So it'll come down to those units deciding on which people will get which vaccine using the guidance. We know that it's safe, as per Health Canada. So if a unit feels that, uh, based on the best available data, that they can provide it to the elderly people in their units, then then that's probably what's going to happen. I think a practical approach will be taken across Canada to realize that these vaccines, regardless which one, the bottom line is that they prevent hospitalizations and they prevent deaths. And if the uh, health units feel strongly, they will provide all these vaccines because it's the fastest and most effective thing to do to reduce the cases and bring the pandemic down.
1: And do you have a view on this?
7: I think the bottom line here is to get cases down as fast as possible. If, if the next of a vaccine that's available to you is the AstraZeneca and you're over 65, then there's currently good evidence to suggest that you should be getting that vaccine and that we should be getting that vaccine to as many people as possible. So as you mentioned, the France... Uh, has reversed their decision. It may be only a matter of time before other bodies do the same thing, based on real-world data which supports this.
1: Yeah, and uh, just can you just give us uh, a, a little uh, primer? Uh, what's the difference between the clinical trial data and real-world data?
7: So sometimes in clinical trials, they they may enroll only a narrow group of individuals to try to get the, the trial done quickly and to try to demonstrate efficacy uh, to the best degree that they can. But in the real world, a lot of people who are not included in the trials end up getting the vaccine, either due to preference or due to some health units saying that it's safe to do so. So when you see drugs or vaccines being rolled out in the real world, you start to get actual data about whether it's effective in those groups. And that's what happened with the vaccine here with the AstraZeneca.
1: Are you okay there?
7: Yes, apologies. It's just a uh, an announcement over at the hospital.
1: Okay, I'm, I'm going to take a call from uh, Bruce in Guelph. Hi, Bruce. How are you doing, Libby? Fine, how are you? Good.
3: So i got a couple questions and a comment. First of all, my dad lives in Mississauga. I'm in Cambridge. He doesn't have a computer. Who do I, he's 94 years old, who do I call, talk to, to try to get him an appointment? And the second thing is, will I be able to say, okay, I... I'm, I'm still unsure about this AstraZeneca being only 65%, whereas we know the Moderna and the Pfizer are 95 So, will I be able to refuse the uh, AstraZeneca for him and say, no, I want the Pfizer? And same as myself, I'm 66 myself. I would rather get the Moderna and the Pfizer to be
5: sure of 95%.
1: Uh, so I can tell you the answer to that question is I don't think you can choose your vaccines, but it's not clear that, uh, that the AstraZeneca will even be offered to older people based on the recommendation. But if it is, and that's what they're offering you, um, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's, that's what you get or you don't get, is my understanding. Uh, now, it, the hospitals, you said your father's in Peel?
3: Uh, he's in Mississauga.
1: Mississauga. So that's Trillium. Uh, the, their vaccine uh, the rollout is going through Trillium. Okay. Trillium so Health. So, and oh, okay. and uh, I think there's also a phone, but you have to look um, locally. Bruce, I okay. hope that helps. Thanks for okay, your call. Another question, maybe? Yep.
3: I'm just wondering. So let's say you do get AstraZeneca as the first one. and It's not available when you go for your second shot. Can you get the Pfizer-Moderna? Will it matter? Can you mix them?
1: Uh, I don't know about that. Doesn't sound like a great idea, Dr. Vaisman. Can you mix the vaccines?
7: No, the recommendation is that you get whatever you get your first dose with, you will get your second dose, and it'll be provided at the same site that you got your first dose with. And as for choosing whichever vaccine you want, what will happen in the early stages of the rollout during March is that uh, patients will be offered a vaccine. Of course, anyone can choose to refuse it if they wish, but it'll be unclear when the next time a different vaccine will be offered to them or if it'll be a different vaccine at all. So I think the general message should be for the population, given that these are all approved in this age group, including by Health Canada, that the first vaccine that's offered to you is is probably the one that you should take, so that you are protected as soon as possible.
1: Um, Okay, Bruce, I hope that helps. Uh, And if I can just share a, this is totally anecdotal, Not scientific, but uh, my husband and I have very close friends in the UK. Uh, The woman retired early as a very, very senior uh, pharmaceutical executive with one of the big global companies. Husband's a bit older, 70 years old. We called him on his birthday and he said, well, gee, I've just taken the AstraZeneca vaccine. And at that point, there was only uh, the evidence from the clinical trials. And I said, well, aren't you nervous about that? Blah, blah. Anyway, she had read whatever data there was available. Uh, They were completely comfortable with it. And all I can say is that, um, you know, if I'm sure that they would have been able to get whatever vaccine they want because of their connections, and they didn't so... I don't know, it's, it's been injected in a lot of people in the UK because they've, they've uh, really done a good job with their rollout. So, I don't know. Dr. Baseman, uh, I don't know if I, it was good or bad for me to share that story, but uh, it's, it's part of that real-world stuff.
7: Yeah, absolutely. And I think the UK experience is exactly what's going to inform our experience on how we use this AstraZeneca vaccine, and that's what the Health Canada approval was based on that real-world data coming out of UK of the effectiveness of the AstraZeneca is, is quite reassuring uh, for our experience.
1: Yeah, um, but do you think that getting a recommendation like that from the panel is, I mean, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of other people who are thinking, gee, I don't really want that AstraZeneca one. And frankly, I think they were thinking that even before this recommendation came out, just because of the overall numbers.
7: Yet, I I perfectly understand that especially elderly people living in Canada, they see this recommendation and they're probably confused about why it was approved by Health Canada, but there was a a slightly different recommendation from NACI, the National Advisory for the Immunization. It's certainly possible that they will also revise their decision based on future evidence that becomes available. So that data that you mentioned earlier from the UK, that was only freshly available now as well. And so these kinds of things are a work in progress, and and NACI is constantly reviewing this data. So perhaps with more real-world data, they'll feel more confident in making a revision. And, um, And by that time, we may have more of the doses actually available. As you mentioned, it's not quite here yet in Canada, so there is still some time to review this.
1: And uh, you, the, these are vaccines that use completely different technologies. Uh, the, the Pfizer, Moderna are this mRNA technology, which is brand new. Um, should, you know, people have questions about that. Does, does that? What kind of a difference does that make?
7: Certainly the, the way that the vaccine is delivered to your cells, the way that the antigen is delivered is different with the mRNA being a genetic code and the AstraZeneca being what's called an inactivated virus, so kind of like a vehicle to carry the, the protein over to your cells. But in any event, regardless of the difference in the mechanism, we know that both are highly effective at preventing hospitalization and preventing death, and that's the bottom line when it comes to protecting the population. And, when it, and so an individual is trying to make a decision or thinking about the data, I think that's the most important factor to consider plus the safety data is very reassuring for both.
1: What about protection against these new variants?
7: That's a great question. So, as far as we know against the, the most common variant in Canada, B117 which originated in the UK, we do believe that the that the mRNA vaccines and the AstraZeneca are effective against the variants. There is less knowledge available about the other more concerning variant which originally came from South Africa and from Brazil, Um, but those are, as of yet, are not common in Canada. So the most common variant, we know the vaccines are likely going to be effective against them.
1: Okay. And, uh, final question. Uh, we've been talking to the medical officer of health in Peel. We're about to talk to the medical o- officer of health in York. And in, in those regions, uh, they're starting to inoculate people over 80, and it's mostly happening through the hospitals. Um, w- what are you hearing about what might be happening through, uh, the university health network? It, is, is it likely? as far as you know, to be any sooner than April the 1st, which is what public health here is talking about?
7: Yep, I think you'll start seeing that in, uh, in, through the hospitals in Toronto, you're going to start seeing that vaccine rollout come out as well, that um, through the hospitals themselves, the patients that are affiliated with the hospitals are going to be starting vaccinated in, near, in the very near future. And that's based on the, on the, on the rollout plan from the province. So just like these other regions, that's going to start. It may not be through the same kind of model that the other, hosp- the other regions are using, but definitely the centers that have experience doing it, the big centers here, the big hospitals, they're going to start doing that too throughout the month of March at some point.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, for instance, I saw this morning that you could register, pre-register at Sunnybrook. It didn't say that you had to be a Sunnybrook patient uh, at University Health Network. Do you know? Do you have to have been a patient? Uh, in, in recent times, or is it just if you live in Toronto?
7: Right. So for the sake of practicality, what's likely going to happen is that the first people who will be vaccinated are people who are um, directly associated with the hospital, who, provo- who are, receive regular care at the hospital. And they, as you mentioned, the registration will be more broad to the bigger group of people in the community to try to get as many of those people. But because the hospitals have more contact with certain high-risk groups, elderly people who are here more frequently for some medical issues, those people are likely going to be the ones who are most easily accessible to get vaccinated first.
1: Okay, Dr. Vaseman, thank you so much for that.
7: No problem. Thank you for having me.
1: Okay, uh, I am actually going to take a call from Lillian, even though Lillian, I'm, I'm not sure I'm able to answer your questions, but go ahead and ask. Hi, Libby. Well, I had this whole big thing to tell you, but now that you asked about Sunnybrook, which was what my
2: doctor sent an email this morning, saying that she doesn't have the vaccine and people should not call her office, but that she directed us to go to either North York General or Sunnybrook, which was what you just said. And I went to Sunnybrook, and there were like a list of four things you to be eligible. One is you have to be over 70, and that's that's what I am. I'm only affiliated with Sunnybrook because I once went there for something that I broke, and... Other than that, I don't know how. What your question was? How are they going to filter people out? Well, I
1: don't. I don't think you have to be because, frankly, I saw that Sunnybrook through, and I alerted the older members of my family, and uh, um, I can tell you that one of them got through and registered early in the morning, and he does not have uh, any connection with Sunnybrook or or any other hospital. Frankly, so and and he got you know confirmation that he's been pre registered registered whether that results in an appointment we have yet to see and and when they get the vaccine they said they don't know they don't know and and having registered at sunnybrook does that preclude you i haven't i don't know the answer to that i'm sorry
2: we'll try to find out
1: for you but i I don't know the answer to that thank you libby okay bye 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 okay uh we have got to take another break when we come back the medical officer of health for york region will be with us
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio.
1: Welcome back. And let's bring in Dr. Kareem Kurji, the York Region Chief Medical Officer of Health. Hi, Dr. Kurji. Hello, Libby. How are you? I'm fine, and I'm I'm just reading. I haven't got all the way through uh, of, of the briefing about what you managed to get done in York Region in terms of vaccinating people over 80. So why don't you tell us? It looks very impressive.
5: Uh, Sure. Well, uh, you, you know, it's very important that we get vaccines into the over 80 population quickly, according to the CDC. I mean, the risk of death for those that are over 85 is some um, uh, 630 times greater than uh, folks who are 18 to 29 years of age. And uh, you know, so we, we certainly don't want them to get COVID-19. Um, so um, we know that uh, um, the provincial system um, is uh, correctly so. You know, taking a little while to get completely ready. After all, Ontario is about half of Canada's population, and uh, we have all made a lot of demands on the provincial system have linkages to this and that system, um, and they're piloting it. So we had, uh, as part of our planning for immunization, uh, we had always prepared all sorts of contingencies, contingencies for loss of sight, loss of technology, loss of staff, etc. So we had to kick in our plan B. And the plan B meant we would use the hospital's booking systems, and these were a little bit modified, you know, so a little bit there. And we used uh, a system called ActiveNet, uh, uh, which uh, the municipalities have been using for a long time for recreational programs. And we had uh, used this program for flu clinics. So it needed adaptation again uh, with respect to handling uh, seniors over the age of 80. And our IT folks worked flat out over the weekend to ensure that that was uh, quite ready. And so um, we have all these systems. Now, like in any uh, rollout, there will be bumps. And this isn't perfection, uh, but we hope to have speed over perfection. And in these bumps, you would have uh, three categories where you would probably have bumps. One is the IT area. Um, have-
1: Dr. Kurji, sure. uh, I don't mean to interrupt you, but but uh, I'd rather get to, uh, it, in fact, the, the numbers of what you have done rather than the IT issues. I think sure. everybody who has any sense at all expects that when – Tens of thousands of people are trying to get onto any system at once. There are going to be some, some issues, obviously. So yeah. I, I'm just looking and I see you, you booked 20,000 appointments across five current vaccinations uh, yesterday. So do you yeah. know approximately how many that you are uh, doing today?
5: So on any given day, we would be doing around 4,000 uh, individuals. Sometimes the number uh, varies a little bit from about 3,000, but we'd be getting up to uh, almost uh, uh, somewhere between 600 and over 1,000 in each clinic. And uh, we do propose to uh, uh, bring on board uh, additional clinics Um uh, but the rate-limiting factor right now is really the uh, vaccine. And when you come to the vaccine area, because of a vaccine goes to different sites because we follow the model where we are using uh, our hospital partners' clinics and public health clinics. And uh, when you follow a model like that and with some of the logistical issues of not being able to transport from vaccine from one uh, partner to another easily um, because you want to safeguard the validity of the vaccine, right? Uh, um, it, it does mean that there has to be a lot more that has to be done to maximize the use of vaccines that might in freezers, And so all that is occurring concurrently. And... Uh, um, in, in addition to that, we hope to be receiving a steady supply and steady and increasing supply of the Pfizer vaccine. Well, it says and that
1: you're you're confirmed to receive uh, 9,300 doses of Pfizer vaccine each week. That's correct. Yes. Now, um, let, let me ask you, uh, uh, let me just jump in and ask you, uh, The AstraZeneca vaccine was approved by Health Canada, but we now have a bit of a a dust-up where we have NACI, the vaccination uh, panel, the national one saying uh, they don't want it used in people over 65, and Health Canada coming back and saying, no, it's perfectly fine for people over 65. So uh, have you decided if you are going to be offering this to older people?
5: So because we are at a local level, And we come under the ministry's guidance, right? uh, We would actually be deferring the the actual decision to the province of Ontario, so the ministry. Um, However, if it was up to me, uh, I would say go for it, you know, because I am in favor of what Health Canada has said.
1: Uh, yeah, and there, there, I mean, the, that particular recommendation was because of a lack of evidence in the clinical trials. And as we've been discussing, there's some real world data, mostly from the UK, uh, that it actually, uh, it, it certainly works in terms of preventing hospitalization in people over 70.
5: Yes, and uh, also it prevents deaths and it prevents severe illness, right, which leads to hospitalization. And I have some medical school friends uh, who practice in uh, uh, the UK and I've been in touch with them and they have been applying uh, with respect to using AstraZeneca in the over sixty-five, the over over 80s. So I certainly uh, have no problems with using it there. However, we would defer this to our province, right, to make the decision
1: and, um should the guidance should the province say it's fine to use AstraZeneca, do you worry that because of this recommendation, people will be hesitant about using it? I mean I've been getting calls, and frankly, even before this came out because of the original uh clinical trial data, people are saying, "Gee, I'd rather have Pfizer or moderna uh
5: indeed uh, unfortunately, uh this sort of contradictory uh Uh, information from pretty august bodies, right, Uh, adds to uh, uh, skepticism as to whether a given recommendation by one body or the other is actually genuine. Um, However, um, I think uh, perhaps the way that we may have to approach this, given that, is probably to uh, reluctantly uh, have it used uh, under the 64-year-old age group, to ensure good take-up. But even within that age group, I think you're probably getting people preferring Pfizer or Moderna to AstraZeneca. And actually, um, if uh, I had a choice, I would take AstraZeneca. Any, any vaccine that comes first, I would be perfectly fine. And uh, um, I know many people in the UK over the age of, uh, uh, certainly over the age of 60, 65, who have actually been taking the. AstraZeneca.
1: And uh, a final question, if the decision is not to use it in people over 65, will that impede the vaccination going by age?
5: I think it does. Uh, However, I am sure that uh, our province will be very nimble, as it has always been. And uh, in this case, with AstraZeneca, it makes sense to have the distribution through pharmacies or maybe uh, family physicians because uh, it is that much more of a robust uh, vaccine and uh, can be delivered through those settings and maybe leave the public health uh, clinics and hospital clinics to deal with the more complex uh, uh, situations as with Pfizer, with you know requiring the very elaborate ways of storing the vaccine and many restrictions with respect to the movement of
1: vaccines. Uh, We only have about 20 seconds left. Dr. Kerji, what would you like to leave us with?
5: I would say please have some patience. Uh, You know, we definitely will have the vaccines to you, um, but there will be bumps in the road. Please forgive us for those. Uh, But, you know, we're here to serve you, and uh, we'll make sure that you get your vaccines.
1: Okay, thank you so much, Dr. Kareem Kurji, York Region Medical Officer of Health. Thank you.
5: Thank you, uh, Libby.
1: Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Okay, uh, so uh, if you could not get through, remember, Free for All Friday is coming up, and gee, I have a hunch that we will be discussing vaccines even before then, and that's all the time we have for today.